Welcome to A Legacy of Preaching with Dr. Bill Burr. For one to have a legacy of faithful preaching, they must love God, love God's truth, and love to preach His truth. Dr. Bill Burr excelled in all of these areas, and he has certainly left us all a legacy of faithful preaching. Now, let's all tune in for this great message from God's Word with Dr. Bill Burr. Amen. That's, uh, that's beautiful, beautiful singing. I want you to know this, that you won't hear any better than that. I mean that. That's, that's a blessing. I want you to turn to 2 Timothy, please, if you will. 2 Timothy chapter number 1, please. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And would you stand? We're going to honor God's Word here as we do at every service. And stand tonight. I believe that book that you have in your hand tonight. Now listen to me very carefully. I believe that book that you have in your hand tonight is the inerrant, infallible word of Almighty God. I make no apologies for that. I got saved with this book right here. I was called to preach out of this book, reading this book right here. God spoke to my heart, called me to preach. I've led people to Jesus with this book right here, and I've been preaching out of it now for a long, long time. And I believe with all of my heart that you ought to treasure this book tonight. It's God's holy word. I believe that this book right here will speak to your heart. And I want to give you something tonight that I trust will be a help and an encouragement to you. Hold your finger there at 2 Timothy chapter number 1 and then turn back to the book of Galatians, please. We're going to read a verse there in Galatians chapter number 6 and uh, verse number 9. All right, 2 Timothy 1 and 6 says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. And then back in Galatians chapter number 6 and verse number 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And that simply means don't quit. In other words, if we don't quit serving, if we don't faint and don't turn aside, we shall reap in due season. Our Father, we pray and we praise you tonight for all that we have in Christ Jesus. Help us, dear God, in every way that we would please you tonight. And I pray, dear God, that you'd speak to hearts in Jesus' name Amen and amen. You may be seated. Now Paul was troubled by two classes of people. First of all, Paul had a great concern for lost people, especially to the Jew. The Bible says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. 
And then the apostle says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. And then he says, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. So Paul was concerned about lost people and especially the Jewish people. Secondly, Paul was concerned uh, for a group of people that we might refer to as wayward children of God. Uh, those who um, have professed faith in Jesus Christ, but they were not walking according to their high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was aware of the fact that such Christians hurt greatly the cause of Jesus Christ. Now, you know that, and I know that. We've had in this day that we're living in, are you with me tonight? I, I don't want to lose you. I mean that. I want to give you some things that I trust will be of help to you. We have seen in the past few years many, many children of God bringing shame and disgrace on the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, uh, that hurts. That gives an occasion for the enemy to rejoice and for them, a uh, great occasion to them to rejoice every time some child of God turns aside. We have seen it happen in the ranks of, uh, of charismatics, especially over the past few years and in the past few months. But not only that, we have seen it in the ranks of fundamentalism also. We have seen some very fine, great preachers turn aside because of the weaknesses of the flesh. Now, I believe with all of my heart that this causes shame and disgrace to fall upon the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Now, uh, he had concern. Paul expressed concern many times in the Word of God. He was concerned for the people at Corinth. Uh, uh, the carnality of these Corinthians believers distressed the Apostle Paul. Now, if you don't think so, you get your Bible out when you go home tonight and you begin to read the epistle to the church at Corinth. You'll find out that they followed man instead of Christ. He rebuked them because some were saying, hey, I follow Paul. And another group said, well, we follow Apollos over here. Another one said, we follow uh, Peter. And then there was some one uh, self-righteous group in there that said, hey, we just follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you see. So um, uh, that was all right when you follow him. But when you find yourself following after men, you're going to find out that you'll get into trouble. And so he rebuked them for this. And then they accepted sin in their church. Turn over to the book of 1 Corinthians, please, if you will, in chapter number 5. And uh, it says, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his 
father's wife. Here was a man who was openly uh, seeing, dating, and having a, an illicit affair with his stepmother. Now, um, my friend, that's about as rank a sin as you can get. But now notice, he says, and ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. He says, for verily, I verily, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that has so done this deed. Did you know that in churches today, I mean, I'm not talking about churches way off out yonder somewhere. I'm talking about churches in Raleigh County tonight that they have sin inside of them, an open, known sin and sin that is practiced and folk just won't do anything about it. I met a man in the past, well, it was a couple of years back. He was coming out of the Bank of Raleigh. And I stopped him and talked to him. He's well known. Listen, if I, if I called his name tonight, every person in this room would recognize that name. Now, he's a, a member of uh, a Baptist church in the city here in Beckley. And I said to him, I said, sir, are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? And he said, oh, yes. Um, I've been saved. He said, now, said, I have a little problem. Well, I'd heard about his problem, but he went ahead and told me, he said, I, I have a little problem. He said, I drink a little bit. Now, I've always found out when someone tells you they drink a little bit, it's sort of like cockroaches in your home. If you see one out in the room, you can bet your arm that, that for every one you see, there's 500 of them or 5,000 behind the walls. And so I, I've heard about his drinking problem, but listen, that man serves as an officer in a Baptist church here in the city, and I think that's disgraceful. Now, we look, we look here in 1 Corinthians, it's going on even in this state that we're living in. People are serving God who uh, have sin in their lives and this thing distressed the apostle Paul. And then uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, boy, they had problems in that church. I, I mean, in, in the 6th chapter, they were going into the court against one another. They were suing brothers and taking them before worldly judges and courts out here and trying to air their dirty laundry out in front of the world out there. And this distressed the Apostle Paul. They had disorder at the Lord's table in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. They were coming uh, to observe the Lord's Supper and they were uh, feeding the physical, uh, satisfying the physical needs of their body. They, they were feasting there, and they were drinking, and uh, uh, they were having a regular orgy in the church. And this distressed the apostle, and uh, um, he, he was concerned about it. And then there are other problems. I don't have time to mention all of them. You think about uh, speaking in tongues in 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. The church was upset 
over this controversy. And the apostle, this is what he said. And I like this. He said, get in the church. I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Now we could go on and talk about 2 Corinthians and more problems there. I could talk about Galatians and Ephesians and even in the church at Philippi. Uh, there, there were problems there. And Paul mentioned some uh, of the names of these wayward believers and those who had gone astray. And this distressed the Apostle Paul. Now, I'm saying to you tonight, it is a common thing for people to turn aside and to get into sin. It's common, but bless your heart, it is never right. Amen. It's never right for a child of God to get out and to go into sin and to do wrong. Now, don't try to justify what you're doing. I remember when President Nixon had to resign the White House. You remember that? Resigned in shame. I don't know how many folk said to me, well, he hadn't done anything any more than anybody else has done. People go off and commit adultery and they'll be the first ones to point out David and say, well, David did it. Somebody go out and, and, and lie and cheat and steal and you can find somebody in the Bible that was guilty of the sin that you're committing and you can say, well, I'm no worse off than David was. I'm no worse off than some of those men in the Bible women over there at Emmanuel Baptist Church and so they try to justify their wickedness and their sinfulness by looking at others. Listen to me tonight. You don't ever judge right and wrong by what men do. You judge right and wrong by what the Bible has to say. I want to tell you when you measure up to Jesus Christ bless your heart you're going to find out that you come up awful short and you miss the mark. Now, Paul had definite convictions about how a Christian ought to live. Amen? He had some clear, rock-ribbed, deep-seated convictions in his life. And bless your heart, it do us well tonight to pattern our lives after this man, the Apostle Paul. Patsy told her today how to make microwave fudge. Now listen, let me give it to you. It's so simple, everybody will go home. Get you, and I can't get people to take notes on a sermon, but if I give you this, everybody get a pen out right now. Listen, get you one can, listen to me, one can of Eagle brand milk. Get you one pack, 12-ounce pack, of semi-sweet chocolates. Put it together in a microwave. Put it in there for two minutes on high. Take it out. Stir it up. Put you a cup of nuts in there. Maybe not that many. I like nuts. Put a cup full of nuts in there. Stir it up. Put it in the refrigerator. Let it sit up. And two hours from then, you're eating fudge that is out of this world. Amen. Now, you, you like, that'll make you wake up. That, that'll whet your appetite a little bit. You chose a good night to come to Emmanuel Baptist Church. I can hardly wait to get back there and get me a cup of coffee and uh, put some equal in it and try to satisfy this growling sensation that I have in my stomach tonight. All right, let me give you about three things tonight. Write them down and we'll go home. 
Now, number one, the reasons for waywardness are the reasons for people turning away from the Lord Jesus Christ and getting sin in their lives. Number one, write it down. The fact of the lack of instruction. Now, you might as well put the shoe on. It fits us. I'm talking about the pulpits of our churches are not teaching and instructing people how to live for God as they should. Sometimes we get folks saved and we just preach on salvation all the time. We never instruct people. We never build them up in the Word of God. We never get them grounded and they're tossed about by every wind of doctrine that comes along. I'm saying tonight people are going and turning astray because of a lack of instructional teaching and preaching from our pulpits and from our pastors and our preachers and our evangelists. You put her down. There is a lack of instruction. Multitudes tonight are still babes in Christ. They, they cannot take the meat of God's word. They're still just living on the milk of God's word. You know what? We need to go on and, and begin to learn what the Bible has to say on how to live for God. Amen? I want to tell you something, folks. I'm ashamed of most children of God that I come in contact with in this day. Do you know that most people that you meet out here, they'll tell you you're saved, they're saved, but, uh, but they're ignorant of God's Word. They don't know anything about um, the Old Testament. They don't know anything about the New Testament. They don't know anything about uh, God's uh, elect people, Israel. Uh, they don't know anything about Old Testament uh, prophecy. They don't know anything about the Second Coming. They, very few folk uh, uh, know anything about uh, the chronological order of prophetic events concerning the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've heard so much preaching on television that just lumps all the verses together. Those that have to do with the rapture, those that have to do with the revelation, those that have to do with the millennial reign of Christ, those that have to do with the great white throne judgment until we think all of those things are going to take place at the same time. There's nothing further from the truth. And so there's a lack of instruction and that's one of the reasons for waywardness. Secondly, there's a lack of dedication on the part of believers and help in your service to Him. I'm saying tonight, listen, there's a lack of dedication on the part of individuals. You know, uh, listen, I think about our young people. I love our young people and uh, I appreciate them so much. But you know, we've been announcing that youth rally for several weeks and months. And we didn't have a lot of people show up for that. I've had parents come to me before and say, hey, why don't you do something for our young people? You know, it's a strange thing to me that we can take a trip somewhere and we're going to have fun and ride merry-go-rounds and Ferris wheels and roller coasters and, and just have a, a good time out there somewhere. Man, we can get a crowd. I mean that. We, we can get a crowd. But when it comes time to hand out gospel tracts, when it comes time to get out and knock on doors and tell people about Jesus, 
It's hard to get anybody interested in going on that. I don't care whether it's young people or old people or middle-aged people. Folk just don't have much dedication in their lives. Number three, there's a lack of incentive. Every life, I mean every life needs an incentive, needs a desire to do God's will and God's work. Telling you, you need an incentive to live for God. Amen. You need an incentive to do God's will. Listen, there, there really wasn't anything uh, wrong about Tarshish. God told Jonah, said, I want you to go to Nineveh. He got on a fishing on a vessel and headed over for Tarshish. Now I'm sure people were lost over there too. And it uh, may not have been anything wrong with that, but God sent Jonah to Nineveh. And he was outside of God's will. I'm saying one of the reasons for waywardness is that, that people just don't have dedication, incentive, and instruction, and they're turning aside. I heard about a little fellow one time that the, the, uh, the babysitter had him out in the yard. And he started crying. There was a wasp that was flying around and lit and that little fella, he was cutting a shine. And uh, the mother called out and said, what's wrong with him? The lady called back and said, there's a, there's a beautiful little old insect out here, and he wants. She said, well, let him have what he wants. Bless your heart, in a few minutes she heard a loud scream. Now that, that happens a lot of times. God just lets us get what we want sometimes, and, and it's not the best thing for us. I'm saying to you tonight, these are reasons for waywardness. Listen, many people want to follow their own desires, and sometimes God permits them to go on. Then he allows them to feel uh, the sting of misery that comes into their lives. Number two, the results of waywardness. And I, I've got to hurry. First, waywardness grieves the Holy Ghost. Secondly, a wayward Christian stirs up strife. The Bible says, for none of us liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. Have you ever noticed this? When one child of God gets crossways the gun barrel and begins to criticize and find fault and stir up trouble in the church house, I mean, it eats away like a canker. It's not long until he's got two or three around him and then it begins to grow and then rebellion sets in and the first thing you know, a church has split right down the middle. Now, I'm saying to you tonight, it grieves the Holy Ghost of God. Waywardness, it stirs up strife. It hinders the work of Christ. It weakens the church. It gives Christians a, a bad name. And you, you've got to be on your guard all the time. Or you'll turn aside and you'll do things that will shame the name of Jesus. Let me close with this. P.T. Barnum said one time, I believe it was P.T. Barnum that says that there's a sucker born every 60 seconds. P.T. Barnum had a great circus. And he wrote Charles Haddon Spurgeon, a great preacher from England, a letter years and years ago. He was invited to come and to travel with P.T. Parnham 
and to speak in the great tent when they didn't have a show going on that Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great preacher, could have an evangelistic service in that tent. Now listen to me. He said back in those days, he said, we'll give you a thousand dollars for every service that you have. Now, boy, you're talking about a hundred years ago. You're talking about a thousand dollars back then was a hassle of money. It's not much now. About one house payment, and that'll do it in. But it was a lot of money back in those days. Temptation came knocking at the door of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Oh, you could justify that. You could say, man, I'd reach multitudes of people traveling with P.T. Barnum, and I'd be reaching people outside the church. I'd be reaching lost people, and not only that, but $1,000 for every service that I preach under that tent. But that'd be tempting for just about anybody. Mr. Spurgeon wrote him back and he said, Dear Mr. Barnum, thank you for your kind invitation to lecture in your circus tents in America. You will find my answer in Acts 13, verse 10, very sincerely yours, Charles H. Spurgeon. To save you the trouble of looking up Acts 13 and verse 10, this is what it says. And said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, Wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Thank God for men that will not bow. Thank God for ladies that will not turn aside. Thank God for young people that will live for Jesus in 1988.